Ensuring patients have a good experience when receiving health care sounds like an obvious priority, but it can be challenging to find resources for oversight and training in already strapped rural hospitals. So, how do rural hospitals ensure that patient experience doesn't fall by the wayside? With solid foundations for new team members, coaching for care teams, and a mission-oriented message. I'm Rachel Lott. And I'm J.J. Hotshire. And this is Rural Health Rising. Welcome to Episode 60 of Rural Health Rising. I'm J.J. Hotshire, President and Chief Executive Officer of Hillsdale Hospital. And I'm Rachel Lott, Director of Marketing and Development. So, Rachel, the patient experience is certainly not a new topic in healthcare uh, for rural hospitals uh, or even for this podcast. Right. Uh, But it is so central uh, to what we do each and every day and um, a little unique here in a rural environment. That's right. And today we are talking with someone who has many years of experience overseeing patient experience initiatives in urban, suburban and rural hospitals. And I'm smiling because I'm so excited. This is really one of my good friends in healthcare, mm-hmm. uh, and I can say that with all sincerity. Someone that I have had the opportunity to meet with over the years, and I'll share that story in just a minute. But our guest today is Lori Schramm, Director of Patient Experience and Strategic Partnerships for Parkview Health in Northeast Indiana. Welcome to Rural Health Rising, Lori. Thank you, JJ. I am so thrilled to be here with you and Rachel. So to start, Lori, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and your work at Parkview? Sure. So I have over 26 years of uh, experience at Parkview Health, and that is all of my experience in healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to coming to Parkview, I had a variety of different jobs, mostly in an office setting. And um, in 1995, I needed a job. And a friend of mine had worked at Parkview and suggested that I put in my application. And so uh, Christmas Day of 1995 is actually my hire date at Parkview. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I have two daughters, and they were both real young at that time. And, um, you know, I just, I put in my time, I put in my hours, I showed up every day and uh, did some really interesting work. And since 2007, my focus has really been around the patient experience um, and supporting the goals for our organization around service excellence. Mm -hmm. So, Lori, I mean, those who don't know you uh, need to understand that you're a woman of remarkable character. You um, have a faith that just when you walk into a room, you know, you you speak it, you believe it, and you walk it. And it's really, it's been important, I think, for your journey um, to use your faith and to use, you know, your caring for others. And I've seen that exemplified in you. But, you know, I want to tell a couple stories. Number one, uh, I did have the pleasure of meeting you, uh, and you were introduced by, at that time, Roxanne uh-huh. was uh, in your role or a similar role. And Roxanne says, I have someone, she is 10 times better than I am. <laughs> this is what she tells me. And I'm like, well, Roxanne, you're you're good. I mean, I don't know. How, how could you get better? But I said, all right. And uh, then I kept hearing about this Lori. We didn't get a chance uh, to meet when we were supposed to. But anyway, she introduced me to you. And uh, just your persona, non-threatening. And oftentimes, and I know that, Rachel, sometimes we, you know, 
rag on the big health systems when we uh, do when when appropriately right yes based on specific patterns right. in history in terms of you know the, the right. engagement they have with rural health and by engagement or the lack I mean thereof the swallowing <laughs> yes. or yeah, beating absorbing. back of right. yeah so you know typically what i get Lori, is when they come in and want to meet with me it's you know they bring the suits is what we call them and they all line up and there's usually an entourage of them four or five and you know they look like fresh out of a magazine and you know like is good. And so, you know, I, I was a little apprehensive of meeting the next Roxanne. And then Lori came. And Lori, you know, what you were able to do for Hillsdale, I want to thank you, first of all. And and I want to say that because you're getting ready to retire, right? Yes, yes. You know, and and, and that is something incredible for you. I'm so excited. I know you bought a, a pontoon not too long ago, right? <laughs> or a speedboat or something. You like the water and, and you've deserved, uh, you deserve to to retire. But, you know, I, I want to tell the story that how I got uh, connected with Lori is that, you know, we really didn't have a, a strong relationship with Parkview. Mm-hmm. It was just, they would come up once a quarter, usually right. bring us a Christmas gift or, right. you know. And for Context, everyone. Parkview is about an hour and a half yeah. from yeah. Hillsdale, so it is um, in northeast Indiana, and in, based in Fort Wayne, but is a, a regional health system yeah. in northeast yeah. northeast Indiana. It is. So you know, I would talk to Lori, and I would say, "Think Lori'd be like, how can we help you?" And that's kind of like cliche, right? Well, what does that mean? And so I would begin to share with Lori some of our needs and and issues here. And one of the needs that was significant at the time uh, was to have access to an EMR, Mm -hmm. electronic uh, medical record system, uh, and or EHR. And so, you know, Lori went right back to Parkview. And I would say probably within six months, we had an agreement with an affiliation through what's called Community Connect. Mm -hmm. And had you not done that, I have I, I tremble to think where we would be in our clinics because our EMR was not supported. It was terrible. It was clanky. Um, so I want to thank you. When you came here, it was not pretentious. It was truly how can we serve smaller hospitals? Mm-hmm. And so let's talk a little bit about that real quick. Small, yeah. you know, serving smaller hospitals. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what's been really your lifeblood in throughout some of your career because you would go to various hospitals. Talk to us a little bit about that. Sure. So, um, you know, I said that since 2007, my focus was in patient experience or service excellence. But in 2015, as Roxanne was preparing to retire, her and I connected, and I thought, you know, I, th- I think I'm ready to do something different. And, um, and I love being an ambassador for Parkview. I love working um, in partnership with our executive teams mm-hmm. and with other executive teams from across the region. And so it was just a real thrill for me to get out and start meeting people and talking about things different than patient experience. Yeah. And so... You know, you know me, JJ, and and you know my daughter, and Rachel knows my daughter, and yes. you know how smart she is. Yeah. And, and I just approach conversations like we had in your office um, just from a relationship True. basis. Yeah. And, and truly, what can Parkview do mm-hmm. to help support you? Mm-hmm. To, you want to stay independent? How can we help support that? Mm-hmm. And so... We had the ability with our EPIC licensing to offer the 
that epic product to hospitals that otherwise wouldn't qualify right. mm-hmm. to be to be an epic yeah, user, true. right? So they will only sell yeah. epic to the larger organizations, and then we could offer that right. and share sort our of licensing. as an extension, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. But at there was a, a limit to that at a reduced cost. Too. Yes, and and there was a limit to that. You could only yeah. do it for so long right. at a certain reduced rate, and so you know, remember Dave? You oh, know, I remember Dave. Gosh, <laughs> and you know, Dave and I would hit the road. Dave win, oh, yeah. and, and uh, because he's the epic guy, yeah, he he's the epic community yeah. connect guy, right. and he's the he's the guy that can sell it. Oh yeah, I so you know, it was just always. My uh, it was my joy to yeah. t- and have it easy. Yeah. I'd made the connections. That's yeah. what I really did. Well, you, you're and, a connector. You absolutely are. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a huge piece of who you are. And so now that we've established who you are and what you do at Parkview, uh, we do this on every episode. We start with the why. So it gives us an opportunity just to get to know you a little bit better. So what is your why? What motivates you and what gets you up out of bed in the morning? Well, over the years, it has obviously changed quite a lot. In in 1995 and 96 and many years after, what motivated me was I needed a job. Yeah. I, I mean, it was. Sure. I did not have a burning desire as a as a young woman to be in healthcare. I didn't have a burning desire to do patient care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I I needed a job. I had two daughters. I was a single mom. And so um, when I started work at Parkview, I worked in the ER doing registration. And I thought, okay, I can do this. Hmm. I'm going to sit at a booth and I can type really, really, really fast. And and that's what I'm going to do. And then within a few weeks, they brought in a laptop on a cart and said, "Mm, you're not going to sit at the booth anymore. You're going to go back into all the patient rooms and you're going to interact. Oh, nice. You know, yeah. And I thought, oh, this is not what I signed up for. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to do patient care. (laughs) And of course, I didn't do patient care. However, to be in that space with the patient care techs and with the nurses and the PAs and the physicians and the the EMTs that would bring our patients in, um, I loved that environment. Mm -hmm. Um, It was very eye-opening. I had not really been curious, but Mm -hmm. if I had been, all my curiosities would have been satisfied. My Mm -hmm. gosh. Um, And that is where I fell in love with mm-hmm. healthcare and where mm-hmm. I fell in love with Parkview. Never did get that burning desire necessarily to do patient care, yeah. but anything that I could do in a support role to help make it easier, faster, more, you know, just safer for the patients and families and the the providers, that's what I wanted to be mm-hmm. a part of. So mm-hmm. after a few years, I went over to um, administration and saw from a very different, different perspective. perspective. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And where I think there's a lot of judgment mm-hmm. on administration, mm-hmm. like uh, they don't really know what's oh, going sure. on. Oh, I saw that so differently. And I mm-hmm. saw the heart and the blood, sweat, and tears oh, that yeah. goes in to leading a healthcare organization. Mm-hmm. And I fell farther in love with, with yeah. all of it. And yeah. you just wanted to be more a part. Um, I would say in these last few years, though, that I look back and just have so much respect and appreciation for the caregivers and those nurses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine doing that work myself. Mm-hmm. But, oh, if I could. Yeah. Oh, if I could, I would. Because it's just so important. Mm-hmm. And when my mom was sick a couple of years ago, Right as COVID had happened and we had just lifted visitor restrictions so that I could be with her Mm -hmm. every day um, for the five weeks that she was there and watching what those nurses and those Mm -hmm. physicians do and the the techs, um, I just have so much respect and appreciation for them. And 
and so you know why I, I con- continued to do it um, because it was just a privilege mm-hmm. and. And again, how much I love right. my organization oh, yeah. to help them and represent them and do anything that I could to help support mm-hmm. and make us better for the sake of our communities. Just thrilled to be a part of that. It's, it's a little sad yeah. to think about retiring yeah. and leaving it all, but <laughs> yeah. I've got Reflections, yeah. absolutely. Well, you know, it's been a remarkable career, and, and it's rare that in today's time that you stay more than, you know, 20 years at, a, at one place. So it, it tells us that it's been a good fit, a good home for you. So let's talk about one aspect of your of your job, all right? And it's one that is constantly on our mind, and it's the patient experience. And uh, for those who may not understand patient experience, I think we're going to help define that here in just a minute. But, you know, it, it means many things to many different organizations. Uh, we've had before coaches who've come in under the Studer Group to teach us how to have patient engagement and to give the best patient experience. And that's all well and good, but usually when the cheerleaders leave and the dust settles, what are you left with? And if it's not ingrained, I think those are some of the concerns. Um, obviously, it paints just a, a different picture in everyone's mind. So for you, Lori, uh, what all does patient experience involve? So I think it involves um, a lot of planning and processes, constantly looking at processes that um, enable our coworkers and our providers to provide a really great experience. Um, it certainly involves communication. I think mm-hmm. communication is mm-hmm. the most important part of having an experience, whether that's good or bad, the lack yes. of communication or not the right communication or at the right time. Mm-hmm. Those things certainly impact experience. But it's also about how patients um, um Identify us. I mean, when do they first realize that they're that they need healthcare, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how do they find us? How do they find the provider? Right. And so now it's all about um, digital access. It is. You're right, and um, much different. Mm-hmm, and your online presence, and and just uh, and so much of it is around access. So I think it starts with how patients know of us access us, find mm-hmm, us, mm-hmm. and then start to engage and interact with mm-hmm. us. And so so much of it starts, of course, with our providers or in our ERs yeah. or our walk-in clinics right. at that first point of care. And and it's at every level then from that point forward. And, and we also focus so much on our coworker experience mm-hmm. because if our coworkers aren't feeling fulfilled and having joy and meaning in their work, it's going to be pretty tough then to give that kind of an experience to our patients and families. And so Parkview does an incredible job of investing and and pouring into our our team. Mm -hmm. You've given me several tours of Parkview. I've been uh, to your main campus, Rendalia, I believe it's called, uh, yes. campus. Uh, I've also been to your uh, mobile IC or your ICU or your electronic ICU. Um, was it Wabash? I can't even remember where you took me. All over Indiana is all I know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you can feel it. And that is a testimony to you. And I want you to know that. Um, let's talk about something real quick, though, and it's off script. Um, COVID-19 in relationship to patient experience, how did that change for you? I mean, here you are, you're chugging along, doing the parties, life is good, you know, cheer, 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 and then all of a sudden, a global pandemic. Yeah. How did it How did it impact Parkview? Well, uh, and in some aspects, it's 
stunned us. I mean, certainly me and my team, we felt stunned because I remember, and our team reflects on it, on March 16th, I said, um, gather your belongings and head for home. And mm-hmm. if we were not needed for direct patient care, then we needed to be home. Mm-hmm. And we said, you know, probably plan this for two weeks. <laughs> we just looked at each other thinking, two weeks working from home? <gasps> That's unheard of. How is that going to, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Right. And here we are more than two years later, and our team is working from home really? most of the time. Is that right? Yeah. Now, so... So a couple of things happened where, um, you know, we got out of the way mm-hmm. and, you know, we weren't in the on the units and rounding and checking in with leaders and having meetings. All of those came things came to a halt right. so that our leaders could be engaged with the teams that are providing the care sure. and trying to figure out, you know, all the PPE and, and staffing and all of those important things. And so so we really did tr- just try to stay out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um and we kept th- kept waiting to see when we were going to be called back <laughs> and what that would look like. And we would talk about how are, how will we be reimagined or how mm-hmm. do we reimagine our work and mm-hmm. what are they going to ask us to do? And so it seemed forever. Finally, it was in November of 2020 when they reached out and said, okay, service excellence team, we need you. And here's what we're doing. We're in a very short amount of time, going to stand up a vaccine clinic. Hmm. And we need that to be also a Parkview experience. And you're the best team yeah. to, to assure that that will happen. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, we're going to do this maybe into March of 2021. And then it became May, and then it was June. <laughs> so for about seven months, we lived at the Parkview Muro Center and hmm. led the the experience throughout the vaccine mm. clinic daily uh, every day oh, yeah yeah wow. it was it was it was intense um, but again such a privilege and our community was so thankful and we took that model out to other parts of the community Good. and other areas in the region to help them set up their own vaccine clinics mm-hmm. and. And that's just something that we mm-hmm. do. We do yeah. all the time is, yeah. how can we help? Where do right. you need help? And we we took our own team members and worked in other facilities t- so that they that's could fantastic. provide those vaccines. Yeah. So so that happened. And then we waited again. Okay. And then we had another surge. <laughs> yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah. it's like, we're still kind of on standby. So in the background... We're having all kinds of conversations, and we're developing tools that leaders, when they were ready, would have mm-hmm. access to. And um, and so we're now we have a we have a new goal mm-hmm. for improving patient experience. So we're excited to be able to talk about a goal, mm-hmm. the measurement, and how how are we doing? Sure. What are patients telling us? We have a great survey tool that gives us. Um, not just a score, but qualitative data right. that talks mm-hmm. about the, where the patients tell us their mm-hmm. stories. They yeah. tell us what was important and where did we fail mm-hmm. or what did, what made all the difference to them where they actually then mm-hmm. got better. So are you using, who are you, Prescani, or who do, who do you use? NRC Health. NRC Health. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Good. it's a digital platform. So sure. we love that. Yeah. Patients love that. Yeah. Um, and and the, the data is robust. But again, yeah. it's really getting to the voice of the patient. Right. And so when patients answer those few questions and they, you know, they rate us a nine or a ten, mm-hmm. we are looking for what else they can tell us about their experience. Right. And the technology now turns that into data and and we really get into the true sentiment mm-hmm. of 
of our patients' experience. So you're getting those scores on a monthly basis, Lori? Daily. I mean, you're getting them daily. Daily. So you're able to review those daily. Yeah. And when you see a variance, that's when you engage your team to say, all right, we've got something going sure. on in this unit. Absolutely. Right. And because it's digital and there's so much more feedback now, we can really be specific at a unit level mm-hmm. and to say, you know, what is... What is happening here? Is a mm-hmm. is it a leadership change, or is it staffing, or just what are some of the nuances specific sure. to a unit? So, so we look at that. The other thing that happens is we get um, what they're called service alerts every day, and it's where the patient is giving us feedback and based on their words. Um, the tone, hmm. and it says, really? we we may have a problem here. So an inflection so of their response, uh-huh, really. Uh-huh. So we get an alert, huh. and our patient advocate team is now part of our service excellence team, yeah. and they immediately respond, and they get involved and reach out to the patient for follow-up and, and bring in the right leaders. Yeah. So so is this a survey post-discharge, or are yes. you doing it, and you, you don't, so in your clinics, do you, do you have like a iPad that you give out to do assessments, or... No, not today. Okay. No, not today. We during during the pandemic, we did pause surveys for a bit, okay. and there was a <clears throat> there was a plan where we thought we could do something real time internal on a tablet of some sure. sort, maybe using a QR code, and that may end up being developed mm-hmm, sure. internally. Uh, but that this is an outside third-party mm-hmm. vendor, and mm-hmm. what we love is being able to have a database that we can be compared to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to congratulate you because I did, you know, obviously my job as a CEO is to monitor and assess all around me the the conditions of our communities. And I often would pull up Fort Wayne uh, and you contained it very well. And you're first to serve and first to market with a vaccine similar to Hillsdale. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were first in our community to That's go great. out and to have, uh, you know, we call them early on, they were like rock concerts because everybody wanted it, right? Yes. That was hard because, <laughs> yeah. you know, you had to go through the filters of making sure that they're age appropriate and that they fit mm-hmm. the criteria. And that it, it broke my heart to have a 30-year-old, you know, diabetic calling saying, you know, why can't I, you know, and have a 25-year-old saying, well, I've got this condition. And early on, we just, we were fit into categories, right? Age appropriateness and risk factors of going into schools and et cetera. So, you know, I want to commend you because the work that you did certainly was displayed uh, with the brand of Parkview. And that's all because of you. So congratulations (laughs) to you. you, Yes, it is. (laughs) We have a fantastic team. You do. You do. You know, sometimes I think when we think about the patient experience, um, and especially when this first became a part of reimbursement with um, with CMS and the HCAPS surveys and all the data and that having a financial impact on hospitals, there was some level of resistance, especially with, you know, what people might think of as the old guard with caregivers of, you know, I've been a nurse for 30 years and you're coming in and telling me how to communicate to my patients. I'm trying to take care of my patients, right? So there can be a perception of patient experience as kind of the fluffy stuff, but it's so important. And there's a lot of data to back up the fact that it does have an impact on health outcomes. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that? How does patient experience impact quality and safety? How does it impact those health outcomes for patients? And how does that impact the relationship that patients have and continue to have with their healthcare providers and in their future healthcare experiences? Mm -hmm. 
Oh, there's so much there. So first, again, as I had mentioned, communication is so important mm-hmm. in how patients experience healthcare. Right. And the information that they receive, is it timely? Is it presented in a way that they can understand? Is it presented with empathy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. compassion? Yeah. And so, you know, we, we talk about the importance of um, breaking it down and and really being mindful of the of what we're going to say and how we're going to say it. And so in healthcare, there we talk a lot in abbreviations. Mm-hmm. So don't do that. <laughs> right. Slow we're guilty of down. It. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Slow down. Ask questions. Listen without interrupting, mm-hmm. because so often it's a scary time when patients are encountering us, and there's a lot of anxiety fear, the unknown. And so we need to understand that and then and then give them that give them all of the information. And when we do that in, in the right way, again with the empathy and compassion, um, patients are going to relax mm-hmm. and they're going to trust us mm-hmm. and they're going to hear and listen and understand why we're asking them to do a certain thing or to take a certain medication or to change some behaviors. or And so when they understand and, and they really truly know and believe that we care about them, they're going to be more likely to go along with that plan. Mm-hmm. And when they do those things, they're going to have better health outcomes, right? right. They're going right. to have a better diet or a better style of life or, um, you know, they're going to take their medications as prescribed or they're going to have their follow-up visits. Mm -hmm. And when they do those things, they have better health outcomes. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing you talk about is experience with quality and safety. And so in the last couple of years, um, I've been engaged in more conversations with our chief quality officer, Dr. Jeff Board, and um, he is a huge proponent for talking about experience and safety together mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. patients and for coworkers. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can't have one without the other. Correct. Right. Patients are not going to have a great experience if they don't feel safe. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to feel safe if they're not getting the good, strong communication mm-hmm. that they need. Mm-hmm. And if they're not being treated with dignity and respect. And when we read our patient comments, um, so often the the what they're talking about and they're telling us is just treat me with dignity and respect. Treat me like a mm-hmm. human, like I'm right. worthy of being treated right. because I am a human. Right. And dignity and respect is one of our core principles in our culture of safety. Mm-hmm. And so there's just a lot of synergy now yeah. between our our two focuses. Yeah. You know, at Parkview, our logo is the diamond. It's a, a green diamond. Mm-hmm. And we we uh, station our system level goals around the points of the diamond. And mm-hmm. safety quality is a point mm-hmm. and service excellence is a point of the diamond. And so so we we work, I, just, I say we would no longer work independently. Mm-hmm. You know, we're right. not one point on the diamond. It's still important to kind of pull them right. out, but um, separately, but we do are working more and more collaboratively now, which is right. Really right. Fun. I teach our um, orientation for our new employees. I teach two hours of patient experience. And one of the things that I tell our employees is that when we think about patient experience, we have to recognize that the in- encounter that patients have with us is going to affect every health 
encounter they have in the future and vice versa. Any healthcare experiences they've had in the past, they're bringing with them. I literally have a slide that has a picture of this guy who's like bent over at the waist and has like eight giant suitcases on his back. And I'm like, picture every patient walks in mm-hmm. and they've got baggage. Yes. We don't know what's in it. No. It could be a number of these different things, but we have to assume that they're bringing something in with them and keep that in our kind of frame of reference as we're engaging with our patients. And that is how we have, you know, enough empathy and and keep maintaining that because for us, it's every day. But for a patient, it could be the first time they've ever been to an ER. It could be the first time they've ever set foot in a hospital. Mm -hmm. They could have never had a needle stuck in their arm Mm -hmm. before. You know, Mm -hmm. these are things for patients that they oftentimes feel like they're in our world even though it's really for them. And mm-hmm. without them, our world doesn't exist. exist. It's very true. Um, so like you said, thinking about the patient individually and treating them as a person, you really have to make that a priority. And then from there, the the health outcomes of, you know, just taking care of themselves afterward because they have that trusting relationship mm-hmm. um, with their healthcare providers. Mm-hmm. And then also, again, it builds credibility for future healthcare providers that they may have interaction with that they're not going to come in already distrusting and maybe not as forthcoming with information that could end up being helpful. And they wouldn't, the patient may not know the difference um, if adding in this extra little bit of information could help their caregiver or their provider. But if they have that trusting relationship and experience, they're going to be more likely to do that. And all of those things are going to have those, you know, long-term impacts. Yeah. And and I, that just speaks to loyalty. Mm-hmm. Right. And <clears throat> This year, our goal is measuring um, the likelihood to recommend. How likely are you to recommend us to your family and friends? Mm -hmm. Zero to ten, ten most likely. And I I love that, and I love thinking about the importance of loyalty, Mm -hmm. even in healthcare. Yes, you know we're it. Service isn't necessarily customer service in healthcare. It is more showing dig- dignity and respect oh, and treating people with yeah. kindness right. and oh, it empathy is. and compassion yeah. and all yeah. those things. And when we do those things, we build loyalty. Mm-hmm. And 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 so, yeah, we end up having returning customers, but these are returning patients with healthcare mm-hmm. right. needs. Mm-hmm. Right. And their family and friends need to know about those experiences and how they improved, how they got, we helped them get better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had my parents be in the healthcare system and, you know, ended up going on to heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I needed them to have the very best experience, yes. whether it was in my hospital or if it was the mm-hmm. hospital on the other mm-hmm. side of town. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you know, I think just everybody focusing on why, well, who are we serving? Mm-hmm. Why are we here? Mm-hmm. Why do we get up and c- come in every day? Right. It really is about yeah. our patients. Right. And right. patient advocacy, I think, is so huge. Right. Uh, and we, we witnessed that during, you know, COVID because our our conversations had to change. We had to talk to families about death and dying. A lot and more often than normal. M- much more. And so, you know, we we had a full gamut when, when you look at, you know, engagement uh, during COVID. And, you know, Parkview. Hillsdale Hospital, I think we led uh, in those areas. And so let's let's bring it down to the rule issue, okay? Because that's really what we're here for. <laughs> so, you know, I know, Lori, that Parkview has affiliate hospitals, or I'm not sure what you call them, but you've purchased some rule hospitals over the years. And I'm not even sure, how, do you know how many you even 
have now? <laughs> I thought about that on the way up here. How many hospitals How do we many? have? I want to say eight. <laughs> eight. So, so we have two large hospitals in Fort Wayne, right. Fort Wayne, Indiana. We have two critical access hospitals, one in uh, LaGrange, Indiana, and the other in Wabash, Wabash. Indiana. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Those are our critical access hospitals. And then we have other hospitals in the surrounding counties. Right. We also have a very large medical practice in northwest Ohio. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 You're in the Montpelier area, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Primarily in Bryan. Bryan. Yeah. 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 So um, now we have good relationships with the other hospitals that, that, you know, don't have the Parkview Diamond on their building. Um, And, you know, they, they... They're independent, plan to stay independent. Um, Some of them have our specialists coming in throughout the months and weeks doing outreach clinics and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Some do not. Um, But we have a great collaborative relationship. And certainly in COVID, Mm -hmm. um, we we did everything we could to demonstrate that. We had some touch base with those leadership teams and Mm -hmm. to say, tell us your pain points. You know, we're opening up beds everywhere we can we're accelerating mm-hmm. expansion projects so that we have more availability um, to take the sickest of the sick yeah. patients and what's what's the experience trying to get your patients to Parkview and mm-hmm. we learned that gosh it was tough it was tough for our own and we call them our community hospitals yeah. and so they are a Parkview um, okay, entity. so they're right, sure, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And our own Parkview Community Hospitals had difficulty getting patients transferred, you know, that 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 really wanted needed to be at the higher level of care that we could provide at Parkview Regional Medical Center. So mm-hmm. so it wasn't just um you know, we're all for Parkview and not for anyone else. We were really trying to work collaboratively with all mm-hmm. of the hospitals mm-hmm. in, in the region. And so, um, you know, it was tough, but we worked hard and made improvements yeah. and checked back to say, yeah. how, how, how did we do? Right. And where are the pain points remaining? Yeah. And yeah. We're, we'll keep working on it. We'll keep yeah. getting better. So let's talk about that. So when you when you take over, purchase, acquire, Otherwise, merger uh, or an acquisition of a facility, a small rural facility, um, the norms, the you know environment, uh, the community is much more different than downtown Fort Wayne. So let's talk about how that relates to the patient experience. In your estimation, when you go in and do these things, is there any difference in patient experience between the urban centers and the small rural community hospitals that you're seeing? You've had the experience with it. You know, do you see a difference between the level of engagement or the type of scripting we have to do? Or is patient experience patient experience? Mm. So communication, again, so important um, in creating a, a gr- really good experience. But relationship is so m- Big and so so important mm-hmm. in that, and I think in the rural communities, in the smaller hospital settings, are these caregivers are living in the communities where they're right. working, right. and they're going to church, and they're going sure. to the same grocery store, and their kids yeah. are going to school together, and they're on the soccer fields together, mm-hmm. and so um, there is. I think more opportunity for that level of relationship where. You, you know the people you're taking care of. Mm-hmm. You know the parents, and yeah. and you know so much. So many of our leaders in those community hospitals live and serve in other areas right. in those communities, right. and right. so um, 
I think the elements of a patient experience of what can make or break it are the same, but probably in a smaller or a rural environment, there's just the the relationship that mm-hmm. right. just helps make that You easier. have more of a foundation to start with. You're not trying to build a rapport mm-hmm. from scratch in every scenario. Um, you have, you know, like you said, sometimes that relationship is established. And so you just kind of start with a little right. bit more maybe there within that relationship. Now, on the flip side, of course, that could be a challenge if there's an established relationship <laughs> or maybe there was or, mm-hmm. you know, there can always, always be issues with that. But mm-hmm. by and large, I think you're right that in a rural environment, you do sometimes already have a level of rapport with a patient because you live in a small community with them than you might in a larger community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and people want to stay close to home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very true. They want to get their care close to home That's where true. it's convenient. And and they want their care to be the highest quality. They right. want the very best doctors and the very best technology and equipment and all of those things. And so to be able to get that level of care locally is so important and it's so important for the families right because you know when the patient's in in your hospital mm-hmm. for a couple of days or four days um families we we need our families mm-hmm. to right. be in our hospitals mm-hmm. and with their loved one mm-hmm. uh, we need those family members to be the advocate for mm-hmm. their patient. They've got to be part of the care team. Yeah. And that was just such a struggle during COVID mm-hmm. with sure all of the visitor restrictions. Oh, yeah. Oh, just heartbreaking. Oh, heartbreaking. Yeah. And we run a skilled nursing facility, so imagine that. Even yeah. more so, 40-bed. Uh, very challenging to have communications with families saying, you're not mm-hmm. going to see your loved one who is yeah. at the end of their life and in most cases. So yeah. very challenging. One other thing that's been um, impressed has been making an impression with me lately as I'm preparing to retire, I'm getting out and getting all these doctor appointments and using my flex spending account, you know, my copay. (laughs) Spin that down. Yeah, that's right. Um, And and so I'm the patient and I'm having blood draws and, you know, different experiences. And and I have feared that because of COVID and the – trauma that that has really placed with our care teams and how are they recovering from that mm-hmm. are they right. still you know kind of in that um, haze yes yeah. yeah i mean they were when we heard they were traumatized our caregivers oh, sure. were traumatized they were. They were. absolutely um so what how are they going to f- behave how mm-hmm. are they going to interact with the patients mm-hmm. now that people are starting to come up and out for air and I have been so thrilled and just so blessed that I see our caregivers. They are resilient, Mm -hmm. and they are bouncing back. Um, The fact that they survived it, and I think we've done a really good job investing and pouring love onto our coworkers, um, it made a difference. Mm -hmm. And when I am in our buildings and different departments, I, I just, they're so good. Yeah. They're so good. They're, I think they're it. so happy yeah. Yeah. to be able to engage again yeah. in meaningful ways. And I, and I feel it and I see it and I, I'm encouraged. Yeah. Wow, Lori, we could talk for hours, sadly. Uh, we don't have that much time. So <laughs> we, um, it's been a great pleasure to have you on this program. But as you sail off <laughs> from healthcare into hopefully volunteering maybe at a health system, 
Hillsdale Hospital's open. <laughs> Rachel's in charge of our volunteers. Um, you know, you're not done serving in my mind um, because you're a servant and you're a servant leader. And um, I want to thank you for your contributions to the community in which you work, Fort Wayne, the greater community, and then beyond that, communities like mine. Branch County, other places where you've left your footprint. Um, I want to say thank you for your contribution. It has meant the world to us. And this is a very sad day for me. Uh, and it is truly something that, you know, we're happy for you, but I want you to know that the work you've done is not in vain. You know, you have left a, a major imprint uh, in healthcare. And congratulations to you for that journey. Thank you so much. I am just honored to have been a part of it. And, you know, I just, every day I showed up and just trusted God that he'd use me in some way. That's right. And he sure did. Before we close, we like to do a fun segment with each of our guests. So we want to know what is your most unique rural experience or one of your memories that is unique to rural life? So... You know, I was um, born and raised in Fort Wayne, lived in Fort Wayne, so I don't have a rural experience um, personally. And working for Parkview, being so large, I really didn't have an experience that I could talk about until I started working in this um, regional strategy type role. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the one that comes to mind I, uh, as Roxanne was getting me out and introducing me to you and, and other CEOs. Uh, I remember walking into the office of one, and the person sat at the desk and put put his hands out in front of him and said, oh boy. I am trying to keep you people at bay. You people. Oh, my gosh. You people. You people. Everybody oh loves to be called you people. You people, people. yes. <laughs> I'm like, you haven't even met you me. You haven't even met us people. You're really going to like me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely they would. Oh, my goodness. And folded his arms and said, yeah. you know, I've got 10 years, and I'm just trying to keep you all at bay, oh and I can't have oh your vans in our parking lot. Yeah. And I thought, oh, gosh, we're just here. Yeah. Just, just, just. What can we do? In. What can we do? Yeah. What mm -hmm. can we do? Um, and I thought, oh, this is this is going to be a tough gig. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then I got to meet you and so many other wonderful yeah. teams across yeah. the region, yeah. and mm -hmm. we're we're blessed. We really are. Well, and I think that speaks to the uniqueness of the way that Parkview partners with smaller hospitals, because I'm sure that CEO has had the opposite experience before, which probably led to that kind of perception and that standoffishness of, well, if it's any form of a healthcare quote unquote system, then they're here to swallow me whole, mm -hmm. which was not your approach and not your goal. But mm -hmm. I think, again, that points to um, how great Parkview is as a partner for mm -hmm. rural hospitals mm -hmm. and not in this, you know, gather and collect and keep as many hospitals right. or patients as possible. Right. right. And I think the big systems, you know, this is where they fail, Lori. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's like the dog that's chasing the car. When they get the car, they don't know what to do with it because rural health is a different environment than big health. It is. It's just different. Mm -hmm. You know, the way we're paid, the way we function, you know, the big issues of our day are transportation. How do we get people here? We have a high, you know, number of Amish patients. So they're much more different. And so when big systems come in, 
they may call us Hillsborough Hospital, which has happened. <laughs> Hillside Hospital. Hillside Hospital. <laughs> uh, all of those things, you know, they're not connected. And, you know, I've often shared with big system CEOs that if you want really a partnership with rural community hospitals, you, you can't go in with the idea that we're going to absorb you. We've had CEOs come here before from other systems saying literally, not if, but when. You know, when are mm. you going to join the system? And mm. that is no way uh, to win friends and influence enemies, right? <laughs> uh, and so certainly this is a particular situation that's very dear to us. And it's why we started the podcast is because we understand the intrinsic value of rural health. Mm-hmm. Without our rural hospitals in America, there goes a lot. The economic infrastructure of those communities, the health and wellness of those communities, because our folks aren't driving an hour and a half to get services at Fort Wayne. No. They don't have transportation. Right. You know, they need care here locally. And so then the question, the bigger question is, what can the big systems do in return? You have a cancer institute or you have Epic. That's the relationship, you know, so that we're supporting the continuum of health. So for your efforts, we say thank you and may God bless you richly. Thank you. Next time on Rural Health Rising, we'll have another great conversation with another great guest. So be sure to tune in. And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. And you can now find us on Twitter. I'm at Hillsdale CEO JJ. Rachel is at Rural Health Rach. And you can also follow the podcast at Rural Health Pod. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong. Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, and a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. Hosted by J.J. Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. Special thanks to today's guest, Lori Strom, Director of Patient Experience and Strategic Partnerships at Parkview Health. For more episodes, interviews, and more information, visit RuralHealthRising.com.